0: Welcome, everybody, to uh, another week or, you know, bi-weekly podcast of the Soccer Thread podcast. As you can tell, I am not Dan Schrader. I've been away from the pod for a very long time. Um, it feels like I've been away for forever. I don't really know what time is right now because, um, I just had, uh, well, I didn't, my wife did, um, uh, but, but we welcomed a new, uh, baby girl into the family. Let's so, go. Uh, there you uh, go. Your boy, your boy is, uh, uh, short on sleep, but, um, long on soccer content. What? I have been watching a lot of soccer. Long on a takes. soccer. So yes, not those takes. I got hot I got lots of takes. There's just going to be, uh, You know without a lot of um energy so (laughs) um (laughs) they're gonna be the hot takes but uh very very cold or maybe mild on energy but uh here here we are uh we don't have our full four man podcast crew uh we have a little special guest but i will uh i'll um you know introduce mike first mike from uh, st paul
1: or minneapolis whoa whoa whoa, dog don't get ahead of yourself here Don't get ahead of yourself and reveal the special guest before it's time. (laughs) Uh, yeah, just a a busy little weekend over here, trying to to get in, you know, the last bits of summer here in, you know, Minnesota. It's already late August, which means basically summer is over. Uh, so yeah, I was just out and about all weekend, doing things, had a nice little block party, uh, great neighbors, very friendly, uh... Nobody ate the delicious tortilla chips we brought, though, which means we just have a ton of tortilla chips. And I'm going to say something very controversial, which is that I fucking love tortilla chips. They're delicious. And I just have half a bag before dinner tonight. Mike,
0: I was just, I was just eating tortilla chips and salsa. Um, it, that is a staple in our house. I love wow. using some
1: tortillas. You, you and me, We're baby. We're on the same wavelength.
0: Yeah. How is no one eating tortilla chips? What is going on?
1: Uh, I think somebody else bought tor- brought tortilla chips, so we just mm. we we got relegated to the non-open bag. But that's du- that's dueling, great for
0: us. Dueling tortilla
1: chips. Um,
0: all right. Well, across is it the Mississippi? Yeah, yeah across there... the Mississippi River is uh, St. Paul. I lived there for four years. I don't even know. Uh, in St. Paul, we got uh, you know big big friend of the pod uh,
2: Bergeron. Hey fellas, it's a... Uh always good to join, glad to, to step in, uh, give a little extra um, baby-holding soccer-watching perspective, because uh, <laughs> um, I, I drew the early uh, shift with the 11-month-old uh, this Saturday, so I was you know banging through some uh, Premier League content, a little bit of La Liga, because that was what was on in the gap in the TV schedule, and then... Uh, um, you know, picked up a little MLS in the afternoon, so it was a it was a full soccer weekend. Uh, and yeah. enjo- enjoyed the hell out of it. Uh, you're, it gonna, is, you're gonna have to, have to update us on just the happenings.
0: I I'll, I I'm happy to fill but like fill you guys in. Burge is probably gonna be able to fill the holes that I miss. Um, it's been HGTV or soccer on at at our house. No uh, Bravo. Uh, yeah, with sprinkle in a, a little Bravo. It's Bra- been a lot Bravo of HGTV. Late uh, this, Modern Family has also yeah. been um, a big hit recently. So wow. this is I, a uh, pretty pretty sure we watched like three hours of Modern Family today.
2: So. <laughs> well, this this was a, a, a you know a opportune weekend because uh, a couple of weeks back um, when. Uh, Palmer's uh, daughter was first born, he, you texted me and you said something about like, yeah, I'll be up watching lots of Spurs. And I'll be like, dude, you'll be up watching a lot of other stuff too. You'll never watch <laughs> so much Burnley as you will with a baby. And then this yeah. week, the you know uh, 6 a.m. my time match was, was Burnley. Um, and yep. so I was like, that's perfect. I was like, this is the exact example of what I was talking about. Uh, you'll watch more, you know... Newcastle United than you ever uh, thought you would because that was what's on at six thirty my time four thirty your time whenever you're up with a little one, so yeah, to be fair, that Burnley game did put me back
0: to sleep, so, <laughs> um, but before we get into those, I told you the hot takes are coming there you go uh before we get into those those very very hot takes uh mike you- you got a little warm up for us
1: I got a little warm up so um I know both of you guys are big big Spurs fans. So I was like, we mm-hmm. gotta Oof. we gotta bring the, the oh, Spursiness no. to the warm up. Do I'm no, I'm no, feeling no, some fun.
2: pressure here. This is this is my first like I'm, I'm standalone opportunity myself. on a warm up. So I am a little Don't do <laughs> it yeah, yeah, you only get one chance God. to make a first impression and this is it. So no pressure. Thankfully I'm just against Palmer, so if I've ever had a chance <laughs> of coming in and stealing <laughs> yeah. a win, it's today. Exactly. Exactly.
1: Well so so I was you know, I was on the, the Spurs <laughs> uh wikipedia page looking for some records originally i was going to do like most goals for spurs but i was looking through the list and i was like i i don't know if i don't know if palmer knows who you know martin chivers chivers is i don't know if burge is is down with george hunt uh so i was just like (laughs) let's let's move on let's find something that can hopefully we can go a little bit deeper into the record books and um you know i was looking just name Name players that have played for Spurs because I might kind be of, good at that. Kind of. I mean, basically. Listen, I, what I, I only was chose
0: them because I like their shirt,
1: <laughs> like the boring ass white shirt. Good for you. <laughs> uh, so basically, you know, I'm looking for a list of like high profile recent Spurs players, and sorry Palmer, but the thing that kind of fits the bill is uh, the the most expensive transfers paid and received of all time for Spurs. So I've got a list here of the. 20 most expensive transfers, either paid or received, uh, by Tottenham Hotspurs of all time. Mm -hmm.
2: And I'd like
1: uh, both of you to try and list those out for me. So paid or received,
2: that's both players they've bought and players they've sold. When you're saying, gotcha. Yep,
1: Yep. so yeah, it could be either a player that they've purchased or a player that they've sold. I've got the top 10 of each of those. Uh, Got it. So, um, Burge, you're first. Uh well you're the guest so I assume you want to go first cuz that's typically easier but if if you want to
2: defer you know give away the home court to Palmer that is that's up no? to you. I'll 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 go first and uh I'll take uh you know I mean Gareth Bale's the obvious one, right? That was the uh world record sale. Obvious and incorrect. Yeah, the highest transfer fee ever received by Spurs,
1: 86.3 million pounds sterling Palmer uh you're next um all right, I feel like I have to keep it
0: because soccer has gotten so rich in the uh near uh whatever present uh I'm gonna try to keep it to kind of newer signings so uh i'm gonna guess you know within the top ten um christian errickson uh was sold probably at a at a at an expensive rate,
1: yeah. He's in there. He's uh number eight. Uh eighteen only eighteen million pounds. A relative a relative bargain.
2: Wow. Alright, Bersh. Um well uh Tanky and Dombalay was I think is the club's record uh purchase. Yep, yep. Fifty three point eight
1: million pounds, so you know, about two thirds of a bale if you want to <laughs> measure a player that way. Um, I think, let's see,
0: purchased with the bail money, uh, give me, this is probably wrong, but you know, fuck it. Uh, Roberto Soldado. Yes, Palmer. Come on, let's go. Number six, 26 million. Wow. What a waste.
2: (laughs) Well, in that same, uh, transfer window with that same money, they had, they bought, uh, Eric Lamella for, I think 30, right around 30. (laughs) Is this guy cheating right now? Or is he just oh an encyclopedia? God. Well, I mean, that was the... Ma- knowledge. I mean, exactly, like, exactly correct. I mean, that that was the cross he had to bear, was the fact that he was the club record signing with the bail money, and then he came in and, you know, took... I mean, I loved him as a kind of like a cult hero guy over the course of his career, but he never lived up to, like, the dollar amounts he was, you know, bought for. Yeah, yeah. I think... and. In, when he left,
1: uh, he was the last guy of like the bail class of signings uh, at Spurs. Mm-hmm. So end of an era.
0: Oh God, I I'm gonna run out of players at this point. Um, I don't know. I feel like Lo Celso seems like he was an expensive transfer. Ooh. Relatively new.
1: Ah,
2: sorry, Ryan. Not on the list.
1: Because his deal started as a
2: loan with an option, and so the money was split over two contracts.
1: Mm, that's Oof. fair. Oof, Burge. I think you, you know. Win, I don't... But if you want to just keep on rolling and
2: just really put Burge, definitely in, wins. We this. won't stop you. Well, I was just gonna say, Davidson Sanchez was a was a healthy oh. uh, fee too recently. Yep. He's he's the second most
1: uh, expensive spur of all time. Uh, Listen, you spur. know you
0: know I don't pay attention
1: to this silliness. I know, you know that... this is this is. Not fair. There's, there's so Give many, me, like... I mean, you know all these guys. Uh,
0: who else is on this list? I was going to say... I can't remember the guy's name. Dutch guy. F- f- uh, played with Bale. It was like... I want to say Vandervaart,
1: but I don't think that's right. Oh, um, uh, well.
2: He's not what on the I list. am thinking
0: of?
1: Yeah, Raphael Vandervaart, wasn't it? Is that? Okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that would have been a good guess, but... Um, oh. Not the, Herb- the Berbatov sale was probably one of the more expensive ones. Yep. Um, Modric sale would have been one of the oh, uh, Madrig, expensive yeah. ones. Yep.
1: Yeah.
2: Um,
0: God, I forgot he played. Go on, burst. School. Don't he let me stop on you. On Just so keep long. rolling, baby.
2: I'm loving this. Do it. Well, I'm trying to think how many of the other of the Magnificent Seven would have been that high. So you said Eriksson was in like the, or Soldado was in the twenty-somethings. Is he yeah. near the bottom of the ten? He's he it was just those two who were who yeah, were in the top. Yeah. That's that's what I figured. Was. I thought the others were all in the the teens.
1: So, um so I I'll, I'll just kind of I'll, I'll go through some here. Uh Palmer, I have to say you've you've shamed us ever so slightly. Uh <laughs> we're going to need more energy on your hot takes now. You can't just be a, okay. a low energy after this performance. I can do that. Um so guys who are still on the team uh who were who were missed uh, which is everybody Left uh, Sissoko, thirty million. Bergwijn, twenty-seven. Cessignon, oh, yeah. uh, twenty-five million. Regulon, Lucas Moura, Serge wow. Aurier. So that that rounds out the top ten on the purchasing side, and then on the selling side. So, oh yeah. So
0: to be fair, I was go. I that was my strategy here, and I just picked the wrong player with Loselso, with the transfer with an option bullshit. Because I don't follow that silly bullshit. Yeah. He's well, on
2: the team, so... And, and that was because he had a sell-on that would have cost too much money, so they did it as a loan to screw the original club out of their sell-on money.
0: See, I don't even understand what you just said. Palmer, <laughs> this is why you need to follow... It's the Tam. The it's
2: the Tam and the Gam, Palmer. It was the Tam <laughs> and the Gam. Uh,
1: one Palmer that I feel like you, you should have got, Kyle Walker, sold for $53 million, the, uh, the second yeah. biggest sale of all time. Uh, and then it's kind of a bunch of some, some oldies but goodies. Uh, Trippier, I mean, that wasn't that long ago. But Robbie mm-hmm. Keane, sold in 2008. Ooh. Uh, Michael Carrick, sold in 20, uh, 2006. Uh, Kevin Vimmer, apparently he was sold for 18 million pounds in 2017. And then uh, wow. Benteleb, also t- 2017 for 17 million. Really? Yeah. To who? To Schalke in Germany. And they are now relegated, so... He's brought oh the God. Spursiness with him all the way, <laughs> all the way across the channel.
0: What do they say? You can you can take the spur out. of... I don't know. <laughs> Moving on, you can take the player out of Spurs. There it is, there it is. I'm sorry, I don't know. Listen, I,
1: I'm just blessed to be here right now. To be honest with you, so I'm happy to lose that game. Couldn't agree more. We're blessed to have you. We're blessed to have both of you, and I'm just happy that that round went into multiple rounds. <laughs> uh, or that category. I was very worried that, you know, you guys would both pick some kind of like great Spurs player from the early 2000s or something who you fell in love with. And then we'd be just looking at a real tough, real tough round of categories. I mean, Colin's not here to complain about how money has ruined
0: football, but money has ruined football. Uh, that that was a great, great warm up. Thank
1: you, Mike. Um, let's do emails. Let's throw it back to Mike. Yes, I'm going to keep on going. All right, first email is from Pedro. Uh, subject line is, my new favorite Mexico player. Uh, very short email from Pedro. He says, David Ochoa shared this Player Tribune on his Instagram, and I've honestly have never related as much with an athlete ever before. Very adamant co-signed to the title because of that great read. Uh, so this, this email is now a couple weeks ago. Uh, but um, if you haven't heard, David Ochoa, former... Uh, U.S. youth team goalkeeper uh, you know kind of recently infamously had a, uh, a mistake in the uh, Olympic qualifying uh, that mm-hmm. at least partly cost the U.S. a chance to go to the Olympics uh, he wrote this very long article about you know his decision to switch from the U.S. to play for El Tri uh, did you guys both have a chance to read this and, and if you did um, kind of what are your initial thoughts Berger, have you had a chance to look at it,
2: cool. I have well, not. I have I'll, not.
1: I'll, I'll kind of summarize. Um, so I have, I have to say also, like I've read a lot of these Players Tribune articles, and usually they're just kind of garbage, and you're like, this is just stupid and kind of just a puff piece about this person. And uh, yeah, I, I thought this was actually really really good and worth everyone's time. It is like a it's a long read, you know. It's probably like a fifteen or twenty minute article. Um, but so mm. that means I'm gonna fall asleep. But keep going. Well, you can read it over multiple multiple sessions. Palmer. Yes, it's that's what's gonna have to happen. Um, so Ochoa, you know, he's I think he's only 20 now, uh, and he's he's played for uh, he plays for Real Salt Lake and MLS, um, and he's played at a bunch of different levels with the US youth, um, and Mexican American guys from Oxnard, California, which is kind of near LA. This is a, a city that's predominantly Mexican American. And just kind of talks about growing up, being a huge fan of the Mexican national team. He went to to Chivas for a year or two to train and then ended up coming back. Basically because he didn't he didn't feel like he fed in. He was he was always being teased as kind of like the American at Chivas, um, despite his heritage. Talks about his his time playing with the US youth team. Uh, and basically, again, kind of not feeling like he fit in, um, you know, being, being one of the few guys on the U.S. youth teams who were Mexican-American. Um, and U.S. soccer has been criticized, I think, a lot for this in the past of, like, not necessarily being welcoming, particularly for Mexican-American players. Um, and he, he kind of had, like, this one, one coach, um, actually an Irish guy uh, who was a goalkeeper coach. Who he really clicked with, Um, and you know this this guy like really hyped him up, really made him believe in himself, um, and kind of made him feel comfortable for the first time in a national team camp. Um, And you know, long story short, um, that that coach uh, he killed himself earlier this year, just really really tragically, Um, and that kind of you know I think shook Ochoa, um, and, and also just, you know, I think was kind of one of those things where, for me, reading this, you know, I no, I no idea of his kind of relationship with his coach and, and just kind of shows that, like, you know, these players who are making these very public decisions, there's oftentimes a lot happening in their lives that we just have no idea about. Um, but, you know, Ochoa, he got called into a U.S. camp, uh, you know, I think that went okay, but, again, he kind of felt like he didn't fit. And then he accepted a, a call-up to El L-Tree senior camp and, you know, basically had a great time, like, you know, was playing with these guys who he, um, who he idolized growing up. You know, he mentioned, like, Hector Herrera in particular just being, like, so cool that Hector Herrera now follows him on Instagram, which, again, is like, oh, yeah, this is like a 20-year-old kid who, uh, you know, yeah. in addition to being a very good goalkeeper, like, loves social media. Um so that's, I mean, you know, basically just sort of says, you know, at the end, like, you know, I'm very proud to be American. I'm very proud to be Mexican. You know, ultimately, like, this is the choice for me. Um, but, yeah, I, I would just I'd definitely recommend you guys, listen, or, uh, you know, take a read and, um, you know, this, also for I, our listeners. Also, it's, you know, I just thought it was like a really good insight into sort of the dynamics of, of this choice and how personal and kind of uh, unique everyone's. Everyone's choices. I have been kind of
0: skimming it as you were talking and just kind of pulling out some things um, from what you said. And it sounds like, one, a pretty incredible journey. Um, two, I think probably uh, an experience that is not um, one that is... Uh, um, I foreign to a lot of players uh in the u.s that are trying to um especially given you know the diversity within uh the u.s trying to figure out we have a lot of dual nationals on the men's national team Um, we talk about uh players you know possibly either choosing to play for you know um the netherlands or germany or the u.s and uh just how important um you know how much that decision weighs on a player. Uh, I think, is Im- it, it's important to kind of understand that. Um, I think that we kind of can maybe get a little flip about about those decisions. Um, and it's it's a, a big decision for for a young kid to make. Um, and then also just you know the uh, Des, um, I'm gonna mispronounce his name probably, but McLeanen, uh looks like McLeanan. Um, had an impact on this kid and on on David and and it, you know, just is you know just goes to show you like the impact that somebody can have, um, on somebody is is pretty cool. So, uh, this is an awesome awesome story, and I am excited to read this, and uh, yeah, shouts to to David Ochoa. I hope he, I hope he does does great. I'm I'm proud that he chose to play for Mexico. That's awesome good for him
2: well and and i'll just say i'm really happy that he decided to put together the time and energy to to tell that story because i mean i'll be entirely honest having not seen the article beforehand i saw the announcement of his change of affiliation i went oh well that makes sense he just watched horvath save a penalty and turner have an incredible gold cup he realizes he's fourth on the death chart he's got better up you know i mean like to me i thought in a purely soccer standpoint of like well, yeah, like, Turner kind of just solidified himself as, like, the other guy that's in the the window here to be talked about. And, you know, with a bad Olympic qualifying, you look at it and you go, okay, well, if I've got better chances, um, you know, because you see that with a lot of the American dual nationals that have uh, European options. Um, they're not getting called into Germany's camp. They're not getting, you know, but they've got... So it's like, well, where can I go play? Um, mm-hmm. But to know kind of the the human side of that uh you know i think to to ryan's point and knowing that is a is a good way to um kind of remember that these decisions are you know they're big they're one time once you're capped like that's your your thing you know um and uh and these are kids that are making those decisions and there's more than just like what's going to get me the playing time in the next two to four years that go into it yeah we and we love player power on this pod so you know
0: i love that he felt confident enough to make that decision and and did and and uh i'm for me it feels like it was the right decision
1: for him and that's great so i support this yeah yeah and i think one thing that this kind of brought to light for me he also mentions a a couple things about when he got called into the u.s camp that there was a friendly in salt lake where he plays professionally that um you know he it was after after the Nations League and he basically was like man it would be so cool to play here to make my debut for the full national team and Halter didn't even you know put him in for a half or 20 minutes um and you know I think that's kind of like an oversight you know you don't want to just play players to you know make them happy necessarily but it's kind of like okay that would have been a pretty easy thing to do and you know probably something that hopefully Burhalter and and other coaches and other people in the u.s federation will kind of learn from of like okay are we thinking about you know the sort of the the personal side of things and then the other thing that kind of struck me about this also from a, a u.s standpoint is we hear a lot about like the culture Halter's building and how much players on the team have said like how much they love to come to camp and how much they love the guys and and this was you know kind of the the opposite of that of you know a a guy getting called in for his first camp and not feeling like he's part of the group. And, you know, there there could be a ton of reasons for that, not necessarily just because he's, you know, a Mexican ancestry. Um, but, like, it is true that, you know, you look at the team and you've got Paul Ariola who's also a Mexican-American, and you've got Legette, who I think is, like, Argentinian-American. And then beyond that, there's, there's really not a lot of uh, Latino guys on the team. And I feel like even since, like, when Klinsman was hired, you know, it's almost 10 years ago now. Maybe it is 10 years ago. I feel like he was also, you know, looking to bring in more Mexican-American players. And so, you know, to me, this is like something that's just really been an issue up and down U.S. soccer for a very, very long time. And, it, you know, it didn't just start with Klinsman, obviously. Um, and like something that, frankly, just the, the Federation needs to figure out is, you know, how do we make it more welcoming for players, for coaches, for fans, um yep. you know like there's a there's a u.s soccer spanish language twitter account that's been you know basically unused for like multiple years uh just like little little shit like that where you think okay are we really building the culture um you know they have all these banners that say you know one nation one team but it's kind of like that's that's great to have that as your motto but are we really are we really live in that
0: yeah yeah that's a good point so Very good point
1: yeah thank you for emailing this into us pedro um obviously you know pedro himself uh proud mexican american uh and also a fan of el tree so uh definitely appreciated you putting this on our radar and um yeah again really highly recommend this article to folks uh just felt like it really got a window into Ochoa's journey and yeah i feel like it's it's pretty rare that i read these kind of pieces and enjoy them so check it out if you have have a few minutes while you know your kid's taking a nap or, uh, you know, <laughs> in between halves or something. Sounds uh, good. So, yeah. Thanks, Pedro. Uh, next email is from George. Uh, so he's he's still following the Europa League. Uh, sorry, guys. I don't know if we're going to have time to talk about the UEFA Conference League today. I know, you know, you're very excited <laughs> about that. Uh, I think those games happen this I, week, but no one's really <clears> sure, <throat> to be honest.
0: They did. I just... I just want to know what the competition is, if anyone can clear that up for me, but that's for a different pot, I think. <laughs>
1: um, so, George, George is sad. The Red Imps of, of Gibraltar are gone. Also a tough round for a lot of Eastern European countries losing, losing their teams. Uh, so, you know, George basically just sent us uh, a, bunch of, a bunch of games that are happening this coming week, or maybe it was last week. I don't even know. Uh, and you know some of these teams I recognize, a lot of them I don't. If I'm going to be honest, George's question for us is: He says, "I for some reason find myself cheering for the Turkish team over other random countries. Do you guys find that you have some random country you prefer and you aren't sure why?" Love this question, uh, Burj, I'm gonna toss it to you first.
2: Mm. Well, I mean,
0: Iceland. I mean,
2: well, yeah, I, I, yeah. I all, I always follow the Icelandic teams in the Europa League. Um, my my favorite being a few years back when one of them made it far enough to, it was the last like knockout home and away before the group stage, and they drew Inter Milan. And they had to move the match to the national team stadium because it was the only stadium in the country that met the threshold of capacity for...
1: You this like,
2: tournament, like, competition yes. requirements because yes. their stadium holds, like, 1,600 people. Um, but, yeah, so this, like, tiny, like, almost semi-pro club in Iceland was playing Inter in Reykjavik. Um, I also find myself watching uh, Czech clubs because I've been to a match in Prague. And I saw um, Sparta Prague play uh, Bohemians 1905 at Bohemian Stadium. And, like, that experience was just so wild that, like, I'm always kind of, like, keeping a little bit of an eye on the table in the Czech League and then kind of, like, pulling for those clubs in, in tournaments like this. What about you, Palmer?
0: I don't – I mean, I guess my answer to this is it has to be a smaller or small-ish country um, that, you know, you don't hear a lot from. But the only way that you're going to hear from them is if they're winning games. Like, you know, you got you got to have love for the Red Imps because it's Gibraltar, right? Um, I can honestly say that I don't really follow a specific country. Like, I don't have, like, a, oh, Turkey. I guess I will follow them. <laughs> um, and the, the issue is, is that a lot of these teams tend to be kind of from the eastern block. And uh, they seem to be, they tend to be pretty problematic, their supporters. So... Uh, I don't pick a country to to really follow. I'm sorry to disappoint. What, what about
1: to root against? You like, oh, man, George. George is always rooting for those Turkish teams. I'm always rooting against them. Is that is that how you feel? Anyone's, uh,
0: anyone? Poland.
1: Like- Anything? Any anyone from Poland? I feel like I'm definitely
2: pulling against. Oof. He's only to say that because he's moved out of Chicago a couple of years, and uh, it doesn't fear for his safety. Yeah, I feel way. a little yeah. too comfortable right now. Right. Yeah. 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 He wouldn't have said that when he was living in Cook County. I'm just saying. <laughs> yep, yep. I, f- I find myself. I mean, Portugal for some reason.
1: I just feel like the Portuguese teams are kind of a uh, they're they're like big enough to kind of make noise, uh, but small enough mm-hmm. that it kind of feels like oh, that's that's uh, a little little unexpected. Um, but I
0: like that. I like
1: that. I, I feel like the the countries that George sent us. It's just a bunch of yeah a bunch of countries that i don't i don't have any strong feelings about pro or con sorry austria yeah. sorry uh slovenia you just you don't really do it for me either way i'm sure you're very nice places That's
0: cyprus on there you you don't have any feelings about cyprus uh
1: not yet you know maybe maybe one day right now i'm you know keeping my powder dry <laughs> um great emails guys uh soccer at gmail.com send us your articles your favorite countries your geographic oddities uh, and we will get to them. Um, soccerthread at gmail.com. Palmer, back to you.
0: Let's, let's talk about Premier League. I mean, we didn't get to do uh, the first weekend of Premier League. We had a little snafu um, and we're not able to put out a pod. So let's talk about Premier League. Two weeks in, uh, top of the table looks like uh, everyone on six points, Chelsea, Liverpool... Brighton and Hove Albion, and the team that is definitely going to win the league this year, uh, your Tottenham Hotspur, um, sitting on six points. Um, let's let's just do quick kind of snap judgments, um, Mike, who is really gonna, uh, who's gonna finish second behind Spurs this year?
1: Oof, man, that's a tough one because I'm just so focused on Spurs and the fact that. Spurs are currently on pace to get 114 more points than Arsenal are, uh, which would be the biggest gap between those two teams ever. Uh, So, you know, these are just early trends, but certainly something I will be watching. Um, Team, you know, I feel like watching Chelsea today just beat up on Arsenal, uh, and in particular Lukaku just absolutely manhandle, just manhandling uh, the back four for Arsenal. Yeah, uh, they looked quite good. They didn't even have their best player, Christian Pulisic, on the on the field. He unfortunately tested <laughs> positive for COVID. But yeah, uh, I'd say Chelsea look quite tasty.
0: Yeah, Chelsea look. Chelsea look strong. Um, Burge, who, uh, who is going to be the first manager fired after these two games, and why is it going to be Arteta?
2: <laughs> I was. I was just going to say. I mean. I understand the lack of options that he currently has in the squad, with some of some of his guys not necessarily being available. I I get that, um, but to uh, to just not show up. I mean, like that's part of it. Is like I mean, there's still a it's still a talented group of guys, and to to not really um, feel like in either instance the ones you know. I don't. Know, maybe it's because I was always a an athlete who was like super happy when I got on the field because like I wasn't always like I wasn't the first name on the sheet in any sport I ever played. So like I just like went nuts when I did. I was so happy to be on the field, you know. Um, and the fact that some of these guys aren't flying around like that makes you wonder a little bit. So it it definitely uh, it definitely feels like that. That could be the, uh, the first one, because there's also less tolerance, right? Like, I mean, if you're managing Norwich and you're sitting at the bottom of the table after four or five, everyone goes, well, yeah, like, that's not good. We're going to fire you in November if you don't right. get out of the relegation zone. But nobody's shocked to be there. Do you guys... I mean,
0: Arsenal lost 2-0 to Brentford um, on Friday, their first game, 2-0 to Chelsea. And in both of those games, they looked just absolutely uninterested um there's something going on in that locker room I, I was gonna
1: say do you think that when big bang left arsenal he he hexed the club he cursed them because <laughs> i mean you look at Emery, like unai Emery, the, the previous coach uh didn't wasn't great at arsenal you know kind of kind of bumped around for like a season and a half now you know is that via real led them to a europa league what, title last year i think yeah they won the europa mm-hmm. league title mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. Mikel Arteta, you know, was Pep's number two guy for a while. Seemed to be a very smart player. Just absolutely in shambles there. Like, mm-hmm. what's what is the problem? If you were, you know, the the manager, the CEO of Arsenal, what would you do to change things?
0: I mean, the the question is is what manager takes that job after this, right? Like,
1: who... Jose, baby, who is Jose. <laughs>
0: Oh God! Please, that would just be great. That would be great. Just keep Bring keep working
2: back. his way around London, right? Like two stints at Chelsea, one at Tottenham, one at Arsenal to move his move his way around. I mean,
0: the thing is, is, Arsenal. It's not like they're not spending money, but they're investing in a lot of young talent. Um, so, you know, maybe it's maybe they're just like we're gonna be bad for the next couple of years and struggle and then maybe hit our stride at some point but but, but then all those guys will like,
1: just get bought up by city or chelsea or you know yeah exactly or it turns they're out be they're actually the not that step. good and they stay at arsenal for 10 years i feel like right
2: yeah well it it's got it's got to be, you know like for all the joke under you know wenger about like the fourth place trophy that was a consistent source of revenue that's champions league money and like that, that is value. Like that's important for the budget of operating a club at an elite level. And you know, Palmer jokes about like why Arteta will be the first can. But if you're in a, a relegation fight, like you don't have to panic. You can play six weeks. You can play eight weeks. You've got an inter, you've got a couple of international breaks that give you windows. because your goal is to stay up or to stay into the mid table at some point. Arsenal's got I to find it. a way into European competition. I mean, like, like, because like, they're not like a just stay up club or like a top half club. This isn't, you know, you, Everton you you or Newcastle.
0: That, you could say that Arsenal is like a super club that could, you know, potentially participate in a super club cup tournament of some sort. A
2: super
1: league, maybe. you might even say. Yeah. Yeah. It's exactly. but I mean, Burge, you you mentioned like the you know, Vanguard always being top four and the money that brought in and like clearly when you look back at, at Wenger, in a similar way to like S- sir alex you know obviously these guys were well thought of uh Wenger, not quite as much towards the end of his his tenure but now you're kind of like wow these guys were maybe even better than we thought uh but like arsenal did spend you know a decent amount of money not like man city money but you know they they brought in ben white uh they just bought odegaard from real madrid i mean he hasn't played yet mm-hmm. Um, so like they've they've spent some some money and I I don't know it just feels which like... is why
2: I think there's even more pressure because they gotta they gotta get that money right you know what I mean yeah, like right. the, these guys you know the, these club owners sometimes will will lay it out on the front but they're they're assuming they're projecting revenues and that may be at minimum like getting some like a deep Europa League run like that's still cash that helps op- offset some of this and you know. Just playing domestically is, is not where the club wants to be, which is why I think that may very well be uh, the shortest uh, leash in the Premier League right now. Yeah, but I'm, I guess your question too was like, where you got to have somebody else in line, right? Like you can't you can't can them to just you know you know Graham Potter. Like is that where you were going? Like yeah. you know like. Who knows?
1: There's only so many managers yeah. who have won two Champions Leagues who are available right now. I'm, I mean, I'm just saying. I will say in Arsenal's defense that, like... He's not available. He, he, he he's, at be, he's, he's at Roma. He's at Roma. He could be made available. He wants to come home. Uh, like, <laughs> uh, he's he was playing, but I think is working his way back to fitness. Like, party was out, Lacazette was out. But, yeah, it's, it's not exactly the dream start for Arsenal.
0: But um, I'm, I mean, so moving away from Arsenal, is there anything that we can actually learn from these these two weeks? I mean, you mentioned Chelsea. Chelsea look really freaking
2: good. Can we
1: not can uh, we not bury the lead here? That Spurs no goals against. Uh, that's that's the top, most top shocking. The league. That's Got- the most
2: shocking thing is the fact that it's essentially a very similar, if not exactly the same, back four. As last year, and did they you guys haven't just bring the wrong Portuguese manager
1: time. when you brought in Jose? Were they like, "Oh yeah, we want a good Portuguese manager"? And then you know the, the headhunters were like, "Oh yeah, uh, Jose Mourinho." And then you know they brought him in the first day. You know he signed the contract. He shows up to training, and I was like, "Oh, that's that's not who we wanted. We wanted this other guy." Like, Nuno. is Nuno just an absolute genius? Like, what burst to your point? What is
2: the difference?
0: I go ahead, Birch. You're I
2: asking. mean, like I mean some some of it is just, you know, attitude, right? I mean it's like one of those like you could tell that the like a large number of the guys weren't super excited about playing for Josie. You know, he comes in and he always finds that one guy that he's gonna like bin off and scapegoat and you know, that's just part of his way of like asserting alpha dominance, whether it's Luke Shaw or Delhi Ali, he always punks someone into a corner who then the moment he's gone comes back and looks like a you know English International, because they were before and, you know, likely are afterwards, and that creates an environment where, like, for some guys it works and other guys it doesn't, and now you've split a locker room versus who likes the manager and doesn't. And if you, you know, take that out and someone else comes in, whoever it is, and they say, hey, fellas, go, like, go run around and play. Have fun. Like, this is, like, what we're trying to do here. You see guys do that. Frankly, I think that's kind of the way, you know, Pochettino's tenure started. There was a lot of, like you know, tumultuous managerial changes in the couple of years before that and guys in and out and no one knew what was going on. And he came in and said, go for it, run like hell, press them, get in their face, score goals, have fun. And so I, I think you see a little bit of, of that. Um, I think part of it is is like what's changed on the defensive side is once they've got that first goal, they're still running around and having fun. They're not playing 10 behind the ball like for 80 minutes because even if you're a world-class pair of center backs like you're just taking body blows for you know an hour eventually something's going to get across the the goal line take the pressure off like don't make them play inside their own six all of the time and that's been the main difference I mean both instances they've had to play with a one goal lead for you know 80 minutes or 45 or something like 40 or so and they've done much better than last year Last year, they would have definitely conceded equalizers in probably both of those matches.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that you... I think that's the major difference after two games. Like, we'll see how long this works. But um, it could also be that, like, the plan, Nuno's plan and tactical plan, just is maybe not as convoluted and weird. Um, Maybe it's not as complicated as Mourinho's. Um, You know they they set up really well against um, against city you know the plan was to keep it defensively stay narrow um, and they did that really really well um, and then and today like I think wolves you know were probably the better team they have they have more um, kind of clear-cut chances uh, you know Harry Kane came on and, and probably should have finished um, but that would have made it 2-0, um, you know, but it, it was still open. It wasn't like uh, it wasn't like a Mourinho game where it was just park the bus and just get pounded on for, uh, you know, 80 minutes or whatever. Um, and so to, to Burge's point, like, they're, it looks like they're playing soccer uh, a lot more than, than what it looked like under Mourinho. Um,
2: and, and no surge REA. That that's my yeah, favorite no part su- of it. No yeah. Serge Harrier. I'm not. I'm not like like raged, uh, texting Palmer about <laughs> uh, his inability to play defense uh, the entire uh, match anymore, which uh, definitely helps my blood pressure.
0: And but you also get like the there's a different the mental ast- or the mental part of that is that Nuno is not, um, he's not Mourinho. He's he is the anti Mourinho. He's not like in the media all the time. Uh, his press conferences are unremarkable, um, at best. Uh, you know, whereas Mourinho was just like it was the Mourinho show,
1: um, and so what you're saying is Nuno has, is terrible for the pod.
0: Yes. Well, yeah, I I love Nuno, and Nuno, we trust, you know. Um, but it's not as if there has been there there hasn't been like uh, a circus outside of the pitch uh, for Spurs in the buildups this year, right? Like we had the Harry Kane drama, uh, Charlie Kane, his brother and agent, like had like an open letter in the guardian this week about like how Harry Kane had a gentleman's agreement with the club and they wouldn't let him go and all this stupid shit. So it's been like a circus behind the scenes. Uh, and yet he's been able to kind of organize the club and get them ready to play, um, against, you know, a man city team that everyone says is going to win the league. Um, and, I, you know, I thought that they were great. And then a, a Wolves team that is uh, very talented, yes, but, uh, you know, we did not play well today, and we came out with a 1-0 win. So, um, you know, something is going... For all the things that are going wrong in Arsenal's locker room, there's something that is going right in Tottenham's locker room right now. And that is why uh, Colin was on uh, a trip to Mars last year. Um, I'm currently on a trip to Jupiter because I know once I get to Jupiter... Uh, the crushing gravity of the fact that we are Spurs um, will just crush me and we'll probably finish in seventh. But we're going to win the league right now.
1: Would you be happy with a Europa League spot this year? A little uh, little bounce back?
0: Com- we got the conference. We're, we're going to stay in that Euro- Europa Conference League. That's that's our level. So
1: Okay. Thrilling stuff. I would, I, so I mean, if you, you might not stay in that. You guys lost uh, this week, right?
0: Uh, yes, we, yes we did yes that's we tough
1: did. did you lose to a team from Turkey
0: no we lost to a team from Portugal
1: oh lovely little, little did I know I was just taking shots at you guys when I was talking about Portugal
0: not, not only did we lose to a team from Portugal on the field we also lost to, uh, to the Portuguese um, uh, Twitter or whatever social media um, person that runs the social media what do you call that person Person that runs their yeah. social media. Yeah. Uh, absolutely lost to them. They they were just brutal to to Spurs on Twitter. So uh we got some work in that department.
2: Shameful. But no no uh Mike, um I think Tottenham, if they are hoping to recruit the players they want to recruit and retain the players, they think they should be able to retain they need a Champions League spot. They need to finish top four. Um and that's gonna be Tough because right now Chelsea and Liverpool look like really, really good, and that means you're, you're battling with City and Man United, you know. But, um, I mean, and I mean, right they already show sure so, they're better than but, City,
1: so that should be I no mean, problem,
0: guys. Guys, listen, I all I know is that the number one is in the top four, so I don't even know why we're talking about this. <laughs> so, this is all hypothetical. Uh, let's talk about about um you know at, Colin's not here but Mike what do you have to say about Everton I mean four points draw against Leeds 2-2 this morning or uh Saturday morning and uh they beat who did they beat Saints I think uh yes uh and had to come back and won that 2-1 um Rafa Benitez at the helm where's Everton going to finish this year
1: I Colin will say relegated if i'm if i'm Colin, i'm very upset right now because everton have five goals over two games which you know most normal fans would enjoy they'd say hey if my team's gonna be kind of you know anywhere from uh 7th to 17th at least we can score some goals and make it interesting uh so f- you know i would say that's that's exciting for everton uh do i do i look at everton and say like oh this is a team that's you know clearly going to challenge for a Europa League spot which is you know kind of I think their their highest achievable level you know no they're I think like a lot of these other kind of mid-sized clubs in the Premier League I think they could very easily finish anywhere kind of in the middle of the table behind you know it seems like United Spurs Chelsea Liverpool City those are pretty clearly the five best teams and then after that there's just a a huge drop-off um you know, maybe Leicester is like kind of. I was, I was just gu- I was just
2: gonna say, yeah, um, Leicester's on three points. It's super early, but they've been consistently really competitive. So yeah, that'll yeah. be interesting. too.
1: No, they they definitely have something to them. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Colin probably probably not going to Mars this year, but also probably not going to the championship next year. So I think he's got to be happy with that.
0: How um, how good is United? Since you you mentioned them, how good are they? I mean, uh, they absolutely shellacked. Who did they play? They five Southampton. Leads. Leeds, Oh uh, yeah. And then uh, drew one one this morning um, to Southampton. Southampton. They actually had to come back to win, uh, to draw that. Um,
1: I, you know, I think I think United. How are, how just, good are they? are just a better Arsenal. They got a lot of young guys. Ooh. Uh, who Their young guys are clearly much better than Arsenal's young guys. But I think they also kind of lack the, the winning mentality. And they've got, you know, a, a lot of just... I mean, they definitely have more, it's more pressure packed to play for United than Arsenal. Uh, sorry to all my Arsenal fans. But, yeah, I just... I, I kind of look at that team and I just kind of say, you know, I'm, I'm not going to believe you're a champion contender anymore. Until you show me, I feel like in years past I've said, "Oh, you know, they brought in this guy. Oh, you know, this guy looks really good two games in." Now I'm just like, you know what? It's great that Pogba had four assists last week or whatever, but you know, you can't draw against Saints and be a title contender. So, if you want to be yeah. a title contender, wow. go out and beat Saints for nothing, and then you know, whoever they play next week, beat them for nothing too. Otherwise, See, you're, wow. just, uh, you're just
2: you're wow. just fighting
1: for for Champions
2: League spot well wow. you, you guys you guys often will you talk about the expression about a you know a football manager you know ten yeah. percent better or thirty percent worse or whatever it is right. and I'm just looking at the midfielders that this Manchester United team have, and they've got like seven dudes that would walk mm-hmm. in on just about anybody else's team sheet I mean some of the wingers and midfielders that tack it forward, like they've just got such such a, a deep squad yeah that the fact that they can't seem to find a consistent like collection and like format, like i i'm i'm wondering whether ole's in over his head i mean like he's got some of the best players in the world they keep bringing him in and he can't he's got he's got all the puzzle pieces he it feels like he's got all the puzzle pieces how can he not get a clearer picture or a more consistent picture some days he gets it right and they go out and they thrash some folks and then some days you know it seems like i i they, feel like they don't have anything
1: i feel like so i i realized one of my coworkers is a united fan uh towards the end of last season and uh so then after that started happening i would just call him you know after every game and just kind of check in on him uh and he he and i I'll say both both really feel like Ollie is should should not be there uh maybe i'm projecting a little on him uh but i just feel like Ole is is a very serviceable manager, but again, do I think he's like Klopp or Pep level? Definitely, definitely not. And then, I mean, to to your point, Burge, like, yeah, they've got a ton of great players. You can only put 11 guys on the field at once. And again, I just feel like with these guys, have we really seen them come through against top teams in difficult moments? Like, for me, I I would say no, or if you want to be generous, not yet. Uh but I feel like we might have to get a uh an a weekly Mike's coworker whose name I won't mention uh right now on the podcast United corner update. Uh and just kinda get the temperature of a, a local uh Minnesota uh based Manchester United fan.
0: Okay. I we need to pump the brakes here because and I can't believe I'm doing this and I'm gonna defend United and uh and Ole for a second. But are they just victims of history? I mean, if you think about so uh, they finished in 2019, 2020, they finished uh, on 66 points, in third place. Um, and Liverpool was the runaway uh, winner of that with 99 points. Last year they finished in second place, um, far and away above, you know, on 74 points. Liverpool finished on 69. Uh and Man City eighty six kinda ran away with it, right? Um
1: I mean, United's not bad. What do we, like no one you guys are look, I'm not saying they're bad. They're not gonna get relegated, they're not Everton. But, you know, as a very famous person once said, if you're not first, you're last. Uh shout out Ricky <laughs> Bobby. And um yeah, I just feel like, you know, United, yeah, they they're they're gonna be in the fight for a champions league spot. And to me, unless they show otherwise that's that's their level. And, like, you know, you can come in second, but... You know, they, they've come in second a couple times recently, but they've never really been in the fight. It's not like, oh, you know, the last week they drew and, you know, another team won or whatever. Think, it's like, think yeah, I'm, they came in second, but they were ten right. points off the pace.
2: Think about it this they're, way. Not, like, they're, they're they're Manchester United, right? Like, it's been almost ten years since they last won the league. Can you imagine Barcelona or Real Madrid sitting second or third for a decade. People would yeah. lose their damn mind. It would They would yeah. be just completely nuts, yeah. right? Well, we, we might, a, we might be about to see that standing. in the
1: next decade, uh, but we'll save that kind of financial talk for when when Colin's on the podcast.
0: <laughs> okay, so that's fair. I, I mean,
1: I guess that's this fair. This isn't the Milwaukee I, Bucks I think, we're talking about here, okay? I
0: think, I think that we're being a little hard on, on Ole. I think... Uh, You know, Mourinho had this same team, and he didn't win the league uh, with United. He did win a treble. He did finish second. He did win a (laughs) treble. Yes,
2: in the world's lamest treble.
0: You know, and I, I, they have they they've got a lot of great talent. I think I really like the Sancho signing. Um, You know, we'll see. This I think this team is going to be a a difficult team um, to play, but. To your guys' point, I agree. Um, they have to win the games, the big games. So they got to win those games against in the top six, um, and they can't be dropping points against teams like Southampton. So and um, that's fair. I I don't know if it's an only thing. I who knows. Um, but but,
1: but I would also say know. like you know yes they they're, they're going to be a tough team to play, but to me, like today is is really the reason why United isn't isn't a contender i think because they don't bring it every week and yeah if you're playing united and you're a city or a chelsea or liverpool that's gonna be a tough game and you might drop points you might lose but do i think united can perform consistently every week the way premier league champions have you know in the past five years like you know premier league champions it's like the The number of points that have been accrued the last few years by the champions is really, really high, like from a historical standpoint. So that means if you yeah. want to be a champion, you you, you gotta be really fucking good, you know. Like yeah. Leicester was kind of the last team that, you know, I don't want to say snuck in because they won fair and square, but if you look at their total, you know, compared to, you know, City and Liverpool the last few years, it's it's way below. So for me. Yeah. You know, today is just the example of United kind of being who we thought they were.
0: Okay, I'm gonna we're, I'm gonna give you guys uh, three questions and then we're gonna wrap this because your boy's getting hungry, and uh, there is a baby that needs to be fed um,
1: in about an hour and a half. So, uh, so we have ninety minutes to one. answer these questions. So thirty minutes per question. No, I Got I, it.
0: I gotta eat. <laughs> I gotta eat, dog. I gotta eat. Uh, question number one. Give me your top. Four, um for the year and uh, give it give it to me they do not have to be in order but give me your winner at the top okay Burge
2: oof okay um I'm gonna go Chelsea
0: Chelsea wins
2: wins Liverpool Tottenham City.
0: Wow, so United we just had this conversation about United finishing second the last three years or two years and they're they're gonna finish out of the four out of the top four. I love it. I absolutely That's... love it. Mike, give me your top four.
1: Uh Liverpool champions and then oh. following them in no particular order, Chelsea and City, and then I'm gonna give it to uh I'm gonna give it to your Spurs. Because, not because I think they're going to do Let's it, go. but because I love you guys.
0: I love it. Um, Spurs win, obviously. Uh, United with another heartbreaking um, second-place finish. Uh, City and uh, Chelsea. Liverpool out of the top four. Wow.
2: Oof. Wow. Klopp can't do it need... without his glasses. Is that what you're saying? LASIK-Klopp. Yeah. Just... yeah, exactly.
0: It's like it's Samson not... in the
2: hair, man. You got your toast. <laughs>
0: Uh, who are your relegated teams
1: Mike Arsenal obviously <laughs> uh, Love it. I'd say Arsenal Norwich and uh, Burnley
0: yeah Norwich looks pretty bad and
1: if if for some reason Arsenal fires Arteta and brings in Mourinho then they will they're just avoid the drop and then I'll take Watford to go down Burge
0: uh, relegated teams.
2: Uh, I think it's. I think Norwich and Burnley are in real trouble. Um, I'm worried about Leeds. They have just looked. They they look like they can't stop anything at all. But um, everybody's too tired from those Bielsa trainings. <laughs> but but I, I I think they'll probably stay up. I'll go maybe uh, Southampton. I got uh,
0: I got Norwich. I got. Um, Newcastle and I have um, Watford going down that's all
2: cool. of us have Brentford staying up that's really interesting um, okay
0: so here is what this is uh, my last question for you guys give me might give me your team to watch that will be fun to just kind of pay attention to they might you know they might get a point here or maybe beat city at, at home or something something uh, some sort of fun team to watch to keep your eye on. That I mean, that, am uh, I allowed to say Spurs? Because
1: Spurs is is my legit like fun team. As long as they can keep Kane. I mean, anytime you can keep Kane and Son on the same team healthy. Yep. Uh, I just I love watching those guys. They're fantastic. So if I can say Spurs, I'm saying Spurs. To...
0: Absolutely, you were allowed. Join, jump on this bandwagon. Baby. I mean, it's going slow.
1: And I mean, they're they're, they're a Conference League team, and they're in first place right now. Like, what a story! <laughs> <I> <laughs> Very good
2: it. point,
0: Burge. Who's who's the team to watch?
2: I'm. I mean, I mentioned like I'm really intrigued by by uh, by Brentford. I mean, just like it, yeah. it feels um, feels a little bit like Huddersfield. Like they came up, and you're like, where, how, what, you know? And they made a couple yeah. of years out of it. Um, But that first year, they were kind of a a darling. Like, you know, you're like, hell yeah, like, you know, 74 years since they've been up in the top flight, like small club, like let's, let's go. And I mean, they, they played, I didn't see them this week, but I mean, I saw a decent chunk of the Arsenal match and like, they look to be playing quality attractive football, which will make watching them eke out points here or there kind of a, a fun thing, hopefully, over the next seven months.
0: Yeah. I mean I, a two zero win and a and a perfect game to start their their uh, Premier League season, first Premier League season in, in seventy four years. Yeah so. playing defense. I, I, I'm just not
1: sure we should really count, you know, a game against Arsenal. It's just <laughs> kind of, you know, like literally kind of playing some some amateurs. So
0: Uh okay, my team uh is, and I, this might be pandering, but uh West Ham, I they I think they have a lot of good talent on that team. Um, scored four goals against uh, against Newcastle, in in kind of just a wild wild game. Um, so I think West Ham could be fun team to watch. So um, keep your eye on West Ham, and uh, Brentford, and obviously. Um, the the league winner, um, Spurs. So, um, all right, that's that's all I got. Uh, I've just been called to the dinner table, and uh, I you guys can stay on in pod, but I'm gonna
1: stop. Wait, you gotta thing. you gotta tell us what's for dinner. Uh, enchiladas. Love it. I like how you kind of pronounce that with an a, enchiladas.
2: <laughs> yeah. There you, you go. Know, it's the Montana it's accent uh, coming through. It,
0: exactly. <laughs> uh, that's all I got. Thanks, guys. Good stuff.
1: Thanks for joining, Birch. Thanks, Cl- Thanks,
0: Thanks, fellas. Cliff. Thanks, Birch. Thanks, Cliff.
1: Bye.